at Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week, the Tech Night Owl Live is brought to you in part by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles. We'll hear more about that later. Our guests this week include Adam Inkst of Tidbits and Take Control Books and Kirk McElhern, the Macworld iTunes guy. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Adam Inkst of Take Control Books and Tidbits joining us. And there's so much to talk about. In a moment, we'll be addressing the main topic of our discussion, which is a new book called Take Control of Online Privacy. I don't know if this is the NSA edition or not. They only helped, you know, just in that, that subtle background way that they try so hard to be assist, of assistance. What they did is they had the Black Project money that they used for Area 51 and UFOs. They put <laughs> some of that into helping with this book. If you believe that, maybe you're listening to the wrong show. Okay, seriously speaking. I have a theory here, that very wacky theory, that Samsung wants to destroy the smartwatch market with this Galaxy Gear smartwatch. What a stupid name. <laughs> I don't think they're going to probably destroy the market given the fact that it doesn't really exist yet, but it does seem as though it's an early entrant, shall we say. Well, it is certainly an early entrant, and it kind of harkens back in only a vague way to the early days of digital music players. And I remember reviewing a few for ZDNet, as a matter of fact, and they were all impossible to use. Yeah. And Apple came out with a solution. So, of course, we now know, based on what Samsung has done, which is not terribly different than what Sony and other companies are doing, how not to make a smartwatch. Don't make it so big. Don't require that it be tethered to another device. And even worse... They made it only compatible with two other devices. Yeah, I I hate to criticize products that are this new from the standpoint of it's hard to start. Even if you know where you want to go, you have to get something out. You know you're leaving features on the drawing board, on the roadmap. Samsung's not stupid. They don't have, their engineers aren't bad. These were decisions that were made. They may have been the wrong decisions, but someone had to make a decision so that they could get this thing out the door and what they felt was a competitive time. If they made the wrong decisions, the product flops because of them. That's, that was a big mistake. But I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't like to criticize someone for, for coming out with a product that does interesting things, at least on the face of it. The difference is that Apple would simply not put out the product. If they can't make it work in a way they feel solves all the problems, they wouldn't bring out something with inferior battery life. The Verge, for example. That's true. Tested it and, you know, looked at it. And after the presentation, some of these units were running out of battery power after, what, two hours? But that's basically a difference in style. The original Kindles that Amazon put out were pretty lousy. But the one, the Kindle Paperwhite that's coming out now looks pretty pretty impressive, frankly, that they are iterating frequently and they're improving things and improving the product every time. And sometimes you do that with something that's pretty weak to start. You know, that's not Apple's way of doing things, but other companies don't necessarily do things in the same way. And the market will, will decide whether it was right or wrong. They don't need to be criticized on it you know, for before before we've actually had a chance to try the silly thing. But if the thing fails, the next person who brings out a smartwatch 
has a higher mountain to climb. I actually don't think that's necessarily true. Look at the music player business. There were a bunch of bad music players out there, and that didn't stop the iPod from being a huge hit right away. And the reason is, is because people have looked at all the bad ones and said, oh man, these are just, these are just lousy. And so it sets up all the bowling pins for the you know for apples or whoever's going to do it right marketing to knock down oh you're worried about battery life look ours lasts 40 hours on a charge oh you're worried about the screen being too big you know ours is small you know whatever it is they know what people don't like at that point and can make sure that they're solving those problems well the other issue is here what sort of demand is there for such a product is there a market out there obviously for music players it was an untapped market that was not fulfilled by existing products and apple was able to serve it on the contrary is there a market for a real smartwatch if all the problems are solved? Smaller screen, prettier looks, longer battery life, maybe making it standalone so it doesn't depend on a Bluetooth connection with some device in your pocket. Would there be a demand if those answers were made? It's a really good question, and obviously we won't know until it happens, but I personally believe that there will be. And the reason is simply that the watch is a common thing, and it's interesting to have features available at a glance. You know, digging the, my iPhone out of my pocket every time the silly thing buzzes to find out why it's buzzing, it's annoying. You know, if I could glance briefly at my wrist to see that, oh, yeah, it's a notification from Trello, or it's a, a text message in a conversation that I don't need to respond to, all that. That could be interesting, you know, that I don't, I don't know until I see it. But it does feel to me as though the watch also is something where, you know, there are people who spend vast amounts of money on watches purely as style pieces. You know, I mean, the Rolexes are the low end of the market. You know, the, the, the ones you see advertised in magazine, you know, in the high-end fashion magazines for thousands of dollars. So it's entirely possible that a smartwatch could, in fact, start there and not even try to be competing on the technical features, but competing on the fashion features as the capabilities improve and sort of move down into the mainstream. There's just a lot of possibilities. I don't think there's anything that's, that's, that's set in stone at this point. Still too early in the game. Absolutely. I and mean, the same thing really applies to Google Glass, that early responses from consumers, the people who use them seem to love them. Um, there's been a lot of concern and controversy in the general general public. Oh, I wouldn't want that. I don't want people taking pictures of me, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think for a lot of vertical markets, for a lot of very specific applications, they would be just killer. Does it mean Google Glass going to be a huge hit? No, I don't think so. It's too expensive. It's too fussy at the moment. But all this stuff is going to be tried. It's not worth being getting too caught up in whether or not it's good or bad just because it comes from a particular company or it has some feature or doesn't have some feature. We'll see. You know, that's what evolution involves. Evolution involves things succeeding or, or, or failing on their own merits. All right. We'll see if there is a need for a smartwatch. Obviously, there was one for Dick Tracy, but will that happen <laughs> in the real world? You know, will what was used with cartoons or... Movies happen in the real world? Well, look at the Star Trek communicator. And they hold it so strangely. Well, they always look up. It's always, you hold the communicator in your hand and you look up. Kirk to Enterprise. You don't have to look up, Captain Kirk. You don't have to look up. Just say Kirk to Enterprise or just 
punch a button. Why do you have to say that? Except it's kind of like the old ships, the physical yeah. ships, you know, where they would say, okay, this is Captain Smith of the SS whatever, calling Captain Jones of the SS whatever the heck, you know, that kind of thing. So I understand where it came from. It's it's fascinating just see how, seeing how the various social norms surrounding communication are portrayed in science fiction. You know, so they're, they're, they often don't say, for instance, goodbye. There's no indication that they're signing off. Sometimes they have to initiate a call. Sometimes they just start talking. You know, in the later series, it's it's, it's fascinating looking at that. Someone could could obviously uh, do a lot of, a lot of interesting things. But uh, you know, I I think the how people interact with this stuff it works its way into our society. We actually did a guy named Jeff Porton wrote a great article for us about this, a tidbits uh, about how smartwatches and Google Glass and the like will be making their way into the social fabric, and you can't really predict what's going to happen because you know who would have predicted 20 years ago that we would all be carrying cell phones in our pockets and you know people would be carrying on conversations at the dinner table via texting. I'll tell you, I see that in restaurants, and I still wonder about it because I don't do it that much except when I take out my smartphone. We have Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs at load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Time and time again. Do you need to call? 
come here and help us. We need assistance. Please. Those we should be able to depend on let us down. Federal and state and local officials saying help is on the way. Will the folks here in Bell Harbor say show me? Don't depend on the government to save you. Take action now so that you're prepared for the next disaster with MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the best prices on storable food, non-GMO seeds, water filtration devices, home canning equipment, survival and self-reliance books, and more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Call 866-229-0927. We are hurting down here, and we need help immediately. Before it's time to survive, it's time to prepare. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com It's hurricane and wildfire season again. Why do thousands of people sit in these reoccurring problem areas year after year, betting their lives that the disaster won't get them? Hundreds of you helped eFoods Direct ship 50,000 donated meals to the Oklahoma victims. The problem is we can't help everybody. If every one of us who can will take care of ourselves, we can all pitch in to take care of those who really can't. The new just-in-case pack from eFoods Direct is the big brother to the seven-day emergency pack designed for Oklahoma disaster donations. It contains a two-month supply for one person, or a one-month supply for two adults, or a two-week supply for a family of four. The $320 price is $50 less than retail. Call 800-409-5633 on the web eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. Order two or more, get 10% off, free shipping applies. Call 800-409-5633 on the web, efoodsdirect.com slash Alex. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So, smartphones are ubiquitous. And once upon a time, Nokia was the (laughs) biggest maker of smartphones. (laughs) And then they got this Stephen Elop, a former Microsoft executive, goes over there. And then he strikes a deal with Microsoft, his former employer, to make Nokia first among equals when it comes to Windows phone devices. And now Nokia lets off their handset division for fire sale prices, a little over $7 billion to Microsoft. And let me preface this before I get your reaction, Adam, and that is Microsoft paid $8.5 billion for Skype, <laughs> which is not a physical product, it's software. Google paid $12.5 billion for Motorola Mobility, which is, of course, a direct-on competitor to, of course, Nokia. So there you go. They buy it for a song. Of course, this conspiracy theory has it that Elop went over there to destroy the company so Microsoft would buy it on the cheap. But, you know, the thing I have to ask you, Adam Inkst, is does buying a failing company ever pay off? Now, let's go back to a situation where two companies that weren't doing so well were involved in a transaction when Apple bought Next. Next wasn't making a lot of money. They had great technology, but they weren't selling products. They had given up selling computers. They weren't doing so well with their operating systems. And guess what? That was a marriage made in heaven. 
But it doesn't happen very often, and it hasn't happened often with Microsoft. Well, it is interesting how little Microsoft paid, and I think that's indicative of just how much Nokia's cell phone share of the market has been dropping and dropping. You know, that iOS and Android just utterly ate Monokia's lunch. And at the same time, Microsoft is an interesting company in this regard because they've never really made a high-volume product. They've tried a couple of times, you know, the Zune, obviously Xbox to a certain extent, um, but they don't, but they're not, but they're primarily a software company. And so I think it does make sense in the, in, in the sense that Microsoft could not have kind of ramped up that level of hardware know-how quickly enough. They just couldn't have done it. And, you know, from what I saw, the, the, the whole concept of partnering, which is what Microsoft has done very successfully in the past by, you know, in essence, selling their operating system to a partner who will put it on hardware, wasn't going to result in enough money for them. You know, that they were just not making enough on it. It's a relatively low margin business. And if they are getting hurt over and over again because they can't get the hardware to do the things the operating system is capable of and vice versa because there's not a tight enough integration, well, you know, that's what Apple solved by controlling the entire thing. So Microsoft's really taking a, a page out of Apple's playbook here. And in, to a certain extent in Google's, although Google obviously is not uh, relying on their, the Motorola acquisition for their, for their only hardware. So uh, I'll be interested to see what happens. Um, I don't think it's, I personally don't believe it's going to change the balance of power that significantly, but I would be intrigued to be proven wrong. The question is here, does having this under one roof make a difference? I mean, Nokia was already building Windows Phone gear. And was very good here. I mean, they've got great cameras, well-built products. Windows Phone is not a bad OS. It's just that the public has said, well, so far, mostly no. So how do you change that, bringing that company in-house? Besides, after all, 80 or 90% of Windows Phone devices are already being made by Nokia. And what happens to the other two players, major players, more or less, in the Windows Phone market? And that's Samsung and HTC. Why would they ever want to make another Windows phone if Microsoft controls Nokia? Well, that's a, uh, all very good questions. I mean, as far as Samsung and HTC goes, all I can think is that they may drop them entirely or they may just feel that they have enough of a, uh, a market that they can continue to sell to that's not really a problem. Honestly, if I were Microsoft, I would probably go whole hog and I would actually, in essence, drop Samsung and HTC. I would say that this is a Microsoft product. It's going to be Microsoft all the way. We are going to control the entire thing. And, and as much as I don't approve of this, I think that one of the reasons why Microsoft may have done this is to get the customer completely into the Microsoft walled garden, just the way Apple does and just the way you know the Android you know ecosystem attempts to do a little bit less successfully there but with apple they want you you know using apple hardware using apple software buying in their apple store using the apple uh internet services all that and you gotta bet that microsoft is basically thinking exactly the same lines 
it's possible that they didn't have the kind of control they needed to make that happen. But you figure that one of the reasons why people don't switch away from iOS is because they've made the investment in the ecosystem. You bought the apps, you've got the iCloud account, you know, you've all this sort of stuff. It's just too hard to switch. And so if Microsoft sees this as a, a way to, you know, you get a customer, well, maybe if you can keep them because you've got them bought into your ecosystem more, that may be a significant part of the whole system. So you lock people into the Microsoft ecosystem. Kind of funny, though, this happens in the waning days of Steve Ballmer's control as CEO of Microsoft. He's retired, and, you know, is this going to be his final act? And the other <laughs> question I would have is, okay, they hire a brand-new CEO with a new vision. He says, I'm going to fix what ails Microsoft, and the first thing I'm going to do is undo this deal because I think it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah, it's possible, though it would seem like a particularly hard thing to undo, given the fact they're talking, what is it, 32,000 employees or something they're, that they're getting as part of this deal. So it would be a really big deal for, for Microsoft to, to do an about-face on this within the next six months. I, I don't really see that happening, honestly. All right. I don't expect it either, but you have to wonder, you know, why now? Maybe because, as we say, it was too late not to do it now. You had to do it now because you're trying to save the Windows phone market, trying to save Nokia's market share in the smartphone market, and this tie-up may be the last gasp for both in terms of success. It does feel as though that Microsoft is going to need a story in the cell phone slash consumer market in general. And so this may not be that story. But if they don't come up with one, they're going to transition into being purely an enterprise and server-level company, which is not a bad thing. It's just different from where they've been in the past. And, you know, whoever does take over as CEO is going to have to figure that out because it's in some ways becoming clear that you can't be all things. Well, they'll sure as heck try. You have to think about that. By the way, the book we're going to be talking about in the next segment is Take Control of Your Online Privacy. It's not the NSA edition, but I can't help saying that because it sounds funny the first time, not the tenth time. Adam Inks from Tidbits and Take Control Books joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? more important search no more we are the gcn radio network neighbors i think you know that i have to do a lot of reading to prepare for my shows for the tech night out live and of course the powercast i can't just sit down and read a book a lot of times i have to get an audio book from audible.com you know that's the leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment and you could listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. So, for example, very recently I've been listening once again to the authorized biography, Steve Jobs, by Walter Isaacson. Of course, you remember that great comment that Steve Jobs made that he had cracked the code of building the greatest TV interface ever. Audible has it. With over 100,000 titles of virtually every genre, you'll find just what you're looking for. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial today. Sign up at www.audiblepodcast.com slash technighthow. 
Alabama. It's coming, and it's the event you and your family will not want to miss. The Southern Preppers Convention and Green Living Expo. Saturday and Sunday, September 7th and 8th at the newly renovated Oxford Civic Center in Oxford, Alabama, where admission is totally free. There's something for everyone. Free classes and seminars on topics like food preparation, food harvesting, and food preservation. Free giveaways every 30 minutes. You could win seed kits, food, doTERRA oil, starter kits, water filters, and more, including a year's supply of food. Guest speakers include Bob from Black Dog Survival School, Mike from White Harvest Seeds, Dr. Tom Stoner from Dr. Med Kits, and more. And be sure to stop by and check out the Longevity Booth, the Southern Preppers Convention and Green Living Expo, September 7th and 8th, a weekend of education and preparation that's totally free to attend. Don't forget, the Country Inn and Suites in Oxford has special rates available for those who attend the expo. Get all the details at thesouthernpreppers.com. That's thesouthernpreppers.com. Nutritious food is real body armor. It builds muscle, burns fat, improves digestion, and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs. Did you know the U.S. government banned the hemp plant from growing in the United States and classified it as a Schedule One drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant? People have been confused about this plant for over 80 years, and many still don't know what hemp is. So now you know hemp is not marijuana, and marijuana is not hemp. They are different varieties of the same species. Hemp USA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best-kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery. Due to the severity of the 100% blocked arteries in both my legs, and my decision waiting for surgery to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been thankfully the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With Adam Inks of Take Control Books and Tidbits, I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl live. A little bit later, by the way, we'll be hearing from our old friend. Kirk McElhern, who happens to be the iTunes guy for Macworld, and one of the authors of various Take Control books. So let's talk, Adam Inkst, about online privacy. Does it even exist anymore? <laughs> I mean, after all. Don't be silly. I mean, that was one of the you know, sort of the jokes when we started started talking about this book was, well, but there isn't any, so why should you why should you worry about it? But but I think there I mean, realistically, it's not that 
there is a vast amount of online privacy. Kind of by definition in living in the online world, you're giving up a lot of privacy. But we all have expectations of things that should remain private. So for instance, I might tell you my phone number when we're not being recorded because you and I talk regularly and so that wouldn't bother me. But I'm not probably going to give my phone number out right now because then anyone in the world who's listening to this podcast could just pick up their phone and call me and that would be off-putting, shall we say. Yeah, but you know, just parenthetically, they can probably find it anyway. They can, but there's also a difference between between something being possible to be found and something being sort of put out in front of everybody. And so so a lot of what Joe's, Joe Kissel, the author, is talking about in this book and where he, where he starts off is saying that even if you feel like you're a pretty open book, you probably do have things to hide. And it's not so much that you have to hide them from everybody, but you, wanna, you, you don't want to hide them in, or you don't want them to be available in all contexts. So you don't want to, you know, talk about your embarrassing medical conditions um, or you have your embarrassing medical conditions resulting in ads showing on your computer screen at work because people are going to be walking by seeing this stuff on your screen. It might be embarrassing at, the, at, at best. You know, at worst, could be more trouble, more problematic. You might not want to discuss your financial records with people other than your accountant, but you might want to be able to email your accountant. So how do you figure out what it is that you have to protect in terms of information and how to keep it limited to those people with whom you do want to share the information? All right, let's look at the various levels of privacy and let's characterize it. Now, online, what if we're using an internet phone service and we use phone power here and there are a number of services, Skype being another one, where they use the various packets, they're reassembled and they become voices. So that's how we network on Skype. That's how I talk on the phone using phone power or on my wireless device using AT&T, which may soon be T-Mobile, but that's another story. Okay, so what expectation of privacy do I have? Now, the NSA says supposedly they're keeping the phone numbers. They're keeping the date and time of the connection and who I talk to. But what about the phone calls themselves? Is there any privacy or more privacy with an online phone call or less? Well, it's obviously hard to know for sure because, you know, obviously no one knows what is absolutely going on. But there are some things that you can do to ensure more privacy. So, for instance, one thing is that think of this more as just one-to-one real-time communication. So, if we were communicating via text in some way, um, via iChat um, or AIM, one of those things. Text is pretty easy to listen in, on, listen in on and extract in various ways. Audio is harder because there's a lot more data. It, the bits, as you say, they're being broken up and reassembled and you've got to figure out, you know, you can't just search it. You've got to be able to reassemble it into something that can be listened to and so on. Video, one step harder. So the more private you want to be, the more information you want to cram in that into that uh, that stream in, effort, in essence. And so maybe I should are, use video chats. Um, if you want it to be potentially more private, video chats are harder to intercept and and recreate because the audio is mixed in with the video as a whole bunch of bits, and you know just makes the process of decoding it all the harder. 
Um, so it, another thing that you sure. can do to increase privacy there is not use the big boys, Skype, AIM, things that are well-known and heavily used by a lot of people are bigger targets than lower-end, I won't say lower-end, less-used products. So if you're using FaceTime, for instance, that's less used than Skype. So it will be sort of by definition a little bit more likely to be secure. And then um, some of these systems allow encryption as well. And although there may be backdoors, as with Skype, you know, the fact that it's encrypted will keep out, tend to keep out more people than it would than be allowed in otherwise or be able to get in otherwise. So there's a whole range of things you can do to increase, increase privacy there. All right, let's talk about Skype for a second. Now, one of the things I like about Skype is when you have a good connection, the audio quality is high. We can do radio shows like this with a number of guests. Don't have to be there, and if they have good mics, we really have good quality sound. Works yeah. perfectly fine for a radio show. So that's one reason. Also, Skype can send and receive phone calls. It's an extra cost service, but you can call up any phone. So therefore, when we have to interview guests on telephone, we get great connections. In fact, as good or better than we used to get when we used to use all these dedicated audio processors for phone calls. That's how we used to do it on the show. Now we use Skype. The quality is better. But now we look at something here. We understand it's owned by Microsoft. It's a big target. It's got what, hundreds of millions of users, and therefore the security level may be less. Is there a competitor to Skype that does all those things that would offer good quality, good reliability, but maybe isn't such a big target? Well, it's worth keeping in mind, first of all, that Skype is a target primarily in the sense that the belief is that the U.S. government has access to it. So if you're recording a radio show that's going to be broadcast anyway... Not a lot of worry. It's more if you're having a private person-to-person -person conversation, and again, particularly one where you think the government might be a problem in listening to it, as opposed to some random hacker would be, you know, more trouble. So, so I'm not sure that Skype is a concern in that regard. In that regard, uh, exactly. One of the things, though, that I think there are there are products coming out all the time. Uh, one that we've used. It's actually. You don't think about it as being audio, but the audio is pretty darn good, is Google Hangouts, actually. That Google Hangouts, does it does up to 10 people video chat, and in our experience, when you get into the multi-party audio, it actually did a better job than Skype in terms of not breaking up and not needing to restart the call and all of that. So who knows what those backdoors are? Who knows how encrypted that is? Just saying there are always other alternatives. However, we are going to have trouble, I think, going forward with you know, trying to avoid these the big boys in some ways because the, the problems are getting harder. And so only the larger companies are going to have the resources to be able to do this stuff uh, at the level we're expecting. That said, there is a company, um, I'm actually not sure the company name offhand, um, but they have a product, I think they call it, Oh, it's Silent Circle. And the product, I think, is called Silent Phone. And they are heavy-duty crypto geeks. And I think you can be pretty assured that any calls that go through via, via Silent Phone are absolutely, utterly unbreakable. Silent Phone, okay. I'll look for that and see what that's like. That sounds fascinating. The other, obviously, question here is email. Now, for example, I remember this when my... Web host asked me because I changed my password 
asked me for my password. And of course, I would not enter that password in email message. I asked, is there a secure area in their ticketing system where they do support where I could place the password so I didn't have to worry about someone seeing what that was? So I guess the question we'll deal with in our next segment is, all right, what about email? Obviously, they're looking at your email, too. We know that Google scrapes email to deliver the targeted ads. So therefore, there's no expectation of privacy. Is that the case? Going to ask that question also about what to do about it with Adam Inkst of Take Control Books and Tidbits. The book is Take Control of Your Online Privacy from our friend Joe Kissel. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com what if you had a witness everywhere you drive? Now you can with VideoDashCam.com. From truckers to motorcyclists, the handy Video Dash Cam can be used for insurance claims, accidents, police encounters, road rage, or natural disasters. Has instant screen playback and optional night vision. Get the best quality, affordable HD Dash cameras available at VideoDashCam.com. That's VideoDashCam.com. Or call 855-855-2022. Always have a witness with Video Dash Cam. Celebrate National Preparedness Month with BePrepared.com. This September, get 31% off our new Supreme Pizza Combo. All the food, storage, ingredients you need for delicious homemade pizzas. Now or years from now. Regularly $143.85, now just $99.99. Also save 30% on Provident Pantry Scrambled Egg Mix. On sale for $21.99 this month only. For September deals, call Emergency Essentials at 800-999-1863. Or visit BePrepared.com. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30 
30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and Gentle Touch Chiropractic Adjustment called NUCA. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle, actually absorb, providing nutrients, targeting the problem area. Between NUCA and nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at drwartman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952-303-9124. Or on the web at drortman.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we started out talking about. Microsoft and Nokia and smartwatches and all that. And by the way, Kirk McElhern thinks the watch from Samsung is going to be a huge failure, and we'll check that out with Kirk a little bit later. Okay, Adam Inkst, the expectation of privacy with email. I presume there is none, but then how do you protect yourself? Does making a secure connection to the Internet server that handles the email, is that enough, or do you require more? Well, again, you need to think about what the privacy risks are. Um, because there's quite a few of them with email, if you think about it. So it starts with your computer. When you write the email message, it exists on your computer. And so someone could steal your computer, someone could read over your shoulder, etc., etc. Then it's in transit. It's in transit from your computer to your email server and from your email server to the recipient's email server and from the recipient's email server to the recipient. So there's a whole bunch of steps in that in that area that could be potentially monitored. And then um, and then it, it may, in fact, actually sit on the email servers themselves for long periods of time. And then on the recipient's end, recipient receives it. You don't control that computer. And then lastly, what about backups? So all of those machines in the, in the entire chain are probably backed up. And so any email message you send probably exists in a whole bunch of different copies all over the world. So when you're thinking about email, you have to decide what you're trying to achieve. If you're trying to prevent some a random hacker from discovering your credit card number, which you put in email, which you shouldn't do, probably protecting it in transit by using um, you know, SSL to connect to your email server by using a VPN, that kind of thing, will reduce the likelihood, particularly if you work in coffee houses a lot. So that way, you know, that, that local connection might be pretty, pretty weak. And so you want to protect that. On the other hand, if you're talking something that's really confidential, 
then you'd really want to look into something like PGP for encrypting your email so that it's encrypted on your machine, it's encrypted in transit, it's encrypted on the servers, and encrypted on the recipient's end. Okay, so, now the way I have it now, just my basic email, I have an SSL certificate on my web server that handles my email. So I have it set up so nobody, even my friends who have sites that I host, nobody can connect to their email unless it's under SSL or HTTPS. Right. But that's just the connection right. between me, the transit, but it doesn't encrypt the contents of my email. That has to be done with these extra tools. Precisely. Emails, emails are a really tricky one. And, you know, I would actually like to even step back a little bit, which is that I personally believe that people need to, before they start thinking about, oh, maybe I should encrypt this, maybe I should, they should think about what they're putting in email to start and paying attention to where they send it. I'm on a mailing list um, related to my son's school where a parent sent all sorts of personal information about her child to the list accidentally rather than to a particular adult in the, in the school system. And that was just a mistake. She should not have used email. It's a bad choice for situations like that. And so I still remember early, early 80s, my mother got her first email email account at Cornell and was on a mailing list, and someone sent something to the mailing list that was meant to be private and was tremendously embarrassing. And she came home and she said, rule is you never put anything in email that you don't want to have, that you couldn't handle appearing on the front page of the New York Times. And Joe actually disagrees with me about this. He believes that there are lots of things you want to put in email that would be really problematic if they appeared in the, on the New York, in the New York Times. But in my mind, it's one of those situations where you can never go wrong by putting some additional thought into what is the liability of this information getting out. Because as we just saw, there's so many points of failure with email. If there's any chance that you know something could be tremendously damaging for you, just pick up the phone. You know, print it out, send it in an envelope. There are other ways of communicating that do not run into the same kinds of risks. And I think that's one of the sort of the, these overall lessons is is that you gotta you gotta think about what you're you're putting out there and what the possible risks are. I mean, it even even applies to something like social media, which of course the concept of privacy in social media is almost you know, an oxymoron. But at the same time, you might want to use Facebook, but you probably shouldn't post certain things there. You know, this is really interesting here. When it comes to sending mail, all right, we all see the movies where they take an envelope and they put over a flame so it <laughs> allows them the teapot, to... yes. Or a teapot, whatever. And it allows them to undo the flap, read the letter, seal the flap, and it's just like nobody touched it. So what is the expectation of privacy if you send a physical letter to a physical post office, which then sorts it and puts it in a physical truck, and then transfers it to another truck or a plane or a train, and finally, after a thousand hands have put their greasy fingers <laughs> on that message, you get it wherever you are. What's the expectation well, of privacy there? Well, the, actually, the expectation of privacy is pretty high. And part of that is because it's protected in law that, yes, 
it is possible to steam open an envelope, but it is illegal to do so. So, you know, all of those people en route, first of all, they don't know what's in there. So with an email message, assuming it's not encrypted, it's just as easy to have automated software like Google or Yahoo do scan the contents without, quote unquote, reading it. No one at Google or Yahoo is reading your mail. It's all just a program that's that's looking for keywords and then putting up ads. Right, and, but if the keyword says bomb, does it go to the NSA and say, wait a minute, this is a bomber? No, it sends you to fireworks ads. Don't be silly. <laughs> it just might be someone who says, well, that movie was a real bomb. As I said, the the reason why that that stuff doesn't, in fact, happen at Google or Yahoo or the like is because of this problem. It's just sort of silly. But my point is more that with physical mail, you really do not know what's inside that envelope until you open it. The only metadata you have is the sender and the recipient and the location and the time, um, you know, assuming it's been started to be postmarked. And so... Yes, if you are a sus- you know a significant suspect, then it's possible your mail is being opened. But if you are not, the likelihood is really pretty low. Given especially the other thing that that I think plays it comes into play is think about the volume of, of of physical mail and how it doesn't lend itself to scalable processing. In other words, there's a vast amount of email, of course, but as Google has shown, you can process it all. You know, you, you really can. I mean, we have computers, we have the technology to do that. We do not, in fact, have the technology to examine every envelope in a useful way, um, and, you know, sort of more so than the post office already does for routing. People don't actually sort envelopes. That's all done via, it's all, all done via computer at this point. So the only so, way it's going to work then, Adam, is for something to be specifically targeted. So precisely. therefore, the authorities have to look for mail from a specific person or to a specific person or specific people and then say, okay, we're going to look at it. But if they don't have that advanced targeting, they will never find it. And, and again, if, because we're talking authorities here and I don't, I'm not up on the laws here, but my understanding, they certainly would not be able to just open it. Um, it's possible they could get a subpoena to do so. But again, that, you know, that, that protection of physical mail is pretty well set down in law. And so, you know, one of the things Rich Mogul has talked about um, is that, you know, for the most part, you know, you can you can be concerned about the way the way privacy is being being affected. But for the most part, everyone's obeying the law that whether or not the law is, is too loose or you know, who knows what else, um, you know, very few of the parties involved are going to actually be breaking the law because that would be a much bigger problem. Now, not to say that the NSA and whatnot is uh, in some fairly significant gray area because of how they control the law involved, but nonetheless, you know, if something is actually illegal, it's probably not happening. All right. Maybe I feel a little bit better about that, although I have to think. I know <laughs> the NSA is listening to our other show, The Paracast, because we talk about conspiracy theories and Air Force and government secrecy about UFOs and all sorts of other topics. I don't think they care about this topic so much. The, the but problem we'll have is, to is see. that you'd have, to, you'd have to stop sending email and start sending postal mail again, because everything else you can get in the postal mail now is just junk. So. <laughs> I have to think about that. We have Adam Inkst, who does more email than postal mail. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. And you thought the most painful question from your child was this. Are we there yet? Questions on family trips are nothing compared to questions from real family emergencies caused by weather, natural disasters, or terrorism. I'm super hungry. What are we going to eat? Daddy, I'm scared. Why don't we have enough food? Daddy should have been better prepared. September is National Preparedness Month. Now you can be prepared. Now you should. Now you have awareness. And now you have your solution. Go to freezedryguy.com. Freeze Dry Guy will get you ready with the Family First Responders Kit. It's your emergency solution with delicious freeze-dried food, safe water, and even fire starting. Call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD, or log on to freezedryguy.com. Protect your family now with emergency preparedness and say, We're there! freeze Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Anna Minx joins us from Tidbits and Take Control Books, exploring Joe Kissel's book on taking control of your online privacy and when joe gets to work it's thorough okay so we've talked about chatting we've talked about you know chatting in the sense of skype and stuff like that about your phone about your physical mail about your email all right that was one topic i didn't get into what about instant messaging by text what about sms messaging on your wireless phone what are the expectations of privacy with regard to those? Well, instant messaging, as I mentioned briefly before in the one-to-one, is frankly relatively, I won't say tremendously low, but it's weaker um, because audio, video become much better at preventing uh, someone from reassembling the bits on the other end. That said, iMessage, for instance, is encrypted. It's believed to be pretty secure. Something like AOL Instant Messenger not encrypted as far as I know, and therefore more likely to be problematic. SMS, I actually don't know a huge amount about the technical side of that, but what you're going to run into with anything with related to SMS is that the carriers have been pretty happy to roll over in the past to at least government. So I wouldn't worry 
horribly about SMS being um, easily intercepted by random parties, but it but it might be pretty easily picked up by by the government again in one of these ways, which is in fact legal with a subpoena or the like. The other thing to keep in mind um, with SMS is that phones are notoriously insecure in the sense that you tend to lose them or have them stolen. And so SMS transcripts, how many stories have we heard about problems coming because people have SMS transcripts of conversations they shouldn't have had? You know, whether it's, you know, someone with their, uh, you know, their, their girlfriend um, when their wife doesn't know about it or vice versa or, you know, just there's too many places where that sort of thing can go wrong. So, you know, this, I think, gets back a little bit to my, my comment about, about, you know, not wanting things to appear on the front page of the New York Times. Obviously, everyone uses text messaging heavily. But probably there's some things you don't want to commit that because there's a essentially a paper trail. There's a record of what you said. And, and if you watch any a procedural show, yeah, on TV, <laughs> you know, Law and Order, Special Victims Unit, Unforgettable about the detective who remembers everything. And you know, by the way, that's based on a real person. There are actually people out there who do remember everything, but I'm not one of them. I just forgot what I said. The point being here, they're always picking up these records of text messages to go after the criminal. So that's how you go. Speaking of texting, which is a method of socializing, what about stuff like Twitter and Google Plus and Facebook? Looks like Facebook changes their terms of service about (laughs) privacy every hour and a half. So I don't know when I look at Facebook what my privacy settings are. So I kind of just watch what I do over there. Absolutely. And and Facebook is, I think, the, the, the poster child for do you really want to say that? You know, (laughs) uh, it's just right. You just, you never know. And I mean, Joe, Joe kind of points out in this, I mean, the entire point of these services is to share. So, so privacy has a somewhat different definition here, but some of the things that can happen, you know, if you're trying to get a job, employers may use your Facebook, you know, look at your Facebook thing to see if you're reliable, how you've behaved in other jobs. If you're applying to college or university, um, missions officers might look at it. If you're dating, I guarantee people are going to be looking at your Facebook and Twitter feeds. Um, if you're suspected of a crime, you think the police aren't going to check it out? If you ever run for political office, you better hope you don't have an account. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just there, there are all sorts of things where what you say online can and will be used against you. So if the student says, I played hooky from school, I hung out and I had some unusual substances with my friends, and he says in this Facebook page, and the principal at the school talks to them next week along with law enforcement agents and says, hey, you just confessed to a crime, and by the way, you're expelled. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's actually a great example. You're not going to get a job. You're not going to get into college. You're not going to be able to, well, you might be able to get a date. Depends on who you're dating. Um, you're already, you know, the police are already using it against you, and you've just trashed your chances of running for political office. All in one fell swoop. As Anthony Weiner continues to learn. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's like, just, just stop. Just shut up. You know, stop saying anything. <laughs> You know, put a gag in his mouth, you know, just shut that guy up. The point being here, though, you should check the privacy regulations for all these services you sign up for. They're very easy to sign up. Very easy. And they throw those terms of service at you so quickly you don't take time to think about it. 
but you really should. And for the average person who just wants to be in touch with their friends, what settings would they make, say, on Facebook? Everyone really does have have different levels of privacy concern. And actually, this is one of the big lessons that we, 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 we realized in the book and in our sharings. So we actually don't give explicit instructions. Because partly, as you say, Facebook will change them in the, ne- you know, in the next hour. So you can't really do that. So you need to think about it. But there are a number of really um, useful tips uh, that Joe has. One of which is limit your friend lists. Don't just accept friend requests um, from everyone. Now, obviously, that's you know more of an issue with with Facebook, where it's bidirectional. Twitter, you can't you know Google Plus whatnot. You you can control it, but you're not as likely to. But still, try to keep the the, the circle smaller if possible. Don't assume the private messages are private. You know, it's one thing when when you know you sort of think that sending a message on Facebook is sending is like email because it's just to one other person, but it very well may not be, and it's certainly um, not necessarily going to be protected even by the level extent that email is protected. Apps on Facebook also huge problem because they often ask for permissions and then do things with the information that they can they legitimately have access to because you've given them permission. So you may not realize what they're doing because they don't say so explicitly. Another one that I see a lot actually in younger people is they share accounts. It's like this, like sharing of passwords is, is, is considered to be uh, a form of trust. You know, like, oh, you'll give you show your password to your best friend or your girlfriend or whatever. And it's a bad idea. You know, Wait you till should, you break up. Yeah, precisely. Use good passwords and keep them, you know, to yourself. There's never a need for someone to be in your account, um, you know, possibly until, you know, frankly, you're married and have way many, you know, hugely other things that you were intertwined with. And then a last, um, last one, actually, is think about pseudonyms. Um, you know, sometimes pseudonyms can be useful for a little bit of privacy, but don't depend on them, certainly, and sometimes they can work against you, too, because you, you may be coming off as someone that you are not in a, in a bad way. Well, for me, I use my real name, I mean, or some variation of it, not because I want to be rich and famous, because I guess I'm sort of vaguely famous, but not rich. It's just that it's easier. Yeah. I mean, if they want to find me, they'll find me. So I might as well not hide. I mean, it's not that I haven't used with online transactions or in some message boards a different name, but the name is almost invariably something that's related and or connected with me. Let's move on with more of this. I guess one issue is children. How to deal with your kids? I mean, your kids are now at two years old. They're probably texting already. I mean, it's it sounds <laughs> crazy. I mean, I know when my son was two or three and he'd come to me, and this is the 1980s, okay? He's 27 now, my little boy. And he'd come to me and he'd pick up the mouse and he'd want to trash something. That was one of the things he enjoyed doing. And sometimes, you know, maybe he was being critical of my work, but he became a writer too. So he also writes in addition to teaches. So there you go. The point being here is children grow up with all the stuff that we thought was so miraculous. That's normal to them. That's their daily life to have the smartphone, to have the tablet, to have the Mac or the PC. So how do we protect them? Because there are all sorts of crazy people out there, and it's not just their friends who are not nice. It is online predators and a lot more stuff. The book is Take Control of Your Online Privacy from Joe Kissel. 
We're joined by his publisher, Adam Inkst, of Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Last one. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, this is Eric Hamburg with Midas Resources Gold and Silver. Ever wonder why billionaires like Warren Buffett, John Paulson, are dumping their shares of U.S. company stocks? Do they know something we don't? No investor wants to own stocks with falling profit margins and shrinking dividends. Is it possible a 1987-style market crash is coming? Are these investors aware of a massive correction of up to 90%? Call me, Eric Hamburg at 800-686-2237, extension 120, and find out why gold and silver are the only true safe haven. With event-driven risks, such as volatility in the financial market and conflict in Syria and the Middle East, the sky is the limit for gold and silver. That's Eric Hamburg, 800-686-2237, extension 120, and I'll send you a, a brochure explaining why gold and silver are the only way to preserve your purchasing power. As a currency's value crumbles and gold being priced in dollars, metal's value will skyrocket. Rocket. Again, that's Eric Hamburg, Midas Resources, 800-686-2237, extension 120. Great news, pure water lovers. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has a special discount offer for all GCN listeners. You can't do better than a Big Berkey for economy. For only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. There's none better than a Big Berkey for emergency preparedness as a backup water source. And you just can't beat a Big Berkey to remove dangerous chlorine, all types of fluoride, pathogenic bacteria, cysts, parasites, and unhealthy byproducts from municipal water. Berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. For the gold standard in water filters, get a Big Berkey at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And all GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. For details, call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Thomas Jefferson once said, When the people fear their government, there is tyranny. When the government fears the people, there is liberty. Our God-given right to life and liberty and the right to determine what is best for our lives and our family's health are in jeopardy. If we the people do not diligently assert these rights, they may be taken away and lost forever. Utopia Silver is known for fighting for health freedom, and we will not meekly allow ourselves to be led as lambs to the slaughter, sitting passively by. And accepting the chains of slavery that are being placed on America is not an option. Please stand with Utopia Silver in this fight. 
Utopia Silver carries some of the most effective colloidal silver products on the market and numerous other high-quality health supplements. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A, utopiasilver.com. Or call us today at 1-888-213-4338. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. With Adam Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books, the book in this case is Take Control of Your Online Privacy. All right, Adam Inks, how do we deal with our kids? You've got a child who's younger than yeah. mine, so yeah, I guess you have to work harder. Tristan's 14, so we've we've dealt with some of this, and some of it, frankly, the you know the we didn't realize the time when no one no one thought about this stuff. But he actually is uh, has apparently uh, had friends at school. He has been embarrassed by some of the photos um, that I published in a very early book I wrote, um, uh, the iPhoto Visual Quick Start Guide, and many 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 years ago. And none of the photos are in the slightest bit actually embarrassing. But, you know, when you're 14, almost anything is embarrassing. So that was a sort of a, you know, again, no one had any idea this was going to be an issue back then. But now we do. Now we know that, you know, sharing stuff on Facebook, on Twitter, um, posting, you know, photo galleries on Google+, you need to be a little careful that you need to think about what is the future impact of this. And so, you know, Joe has a few tips. These are mostly for younger kids. Um, you know, there's something, you know, at, at age 13 is when children are sort of allowed to sign up for things on their own, according to the, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, COPPA. You know, before then, parents are really in charge. And so this is more advice for the parents. But, you know, as Joe's suggesting, you know, never post anything online that could be used to predict your child's location. You know, it's just it's just one of those sort of common sense things, particularly if you're in an urban area, um, you're you're creating situations where, yo, oh, and my kid goes back and forth to school today this on this route. You know, that's probably something you don't need to publish to the world. And as uh, you know, Joseph, no matter how cute your kid is in the bathtub, don't publish, you know, the nude photos. You know, it's just asking for trouble. Uh, are you listening, Anthony Weiner? <laughs> I don't. I hope there's no baby pictures of him either. Um, the uh, the you know blog posts and this you know for all the uh, you know the the the, the 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 blogger moms you know blog posts about your kids' behavior, particularly if they're behavior problems, could be problem could be problematic in the future. You know that may come back to haunt kids in the future. You know when guidance counselors see them or um, school psychologists or whatever. So you know don't share that kind of stuff. You know and so then there's also like just like the videos of kids doing things which you know again could be misconstrued uh, you know bullying online bullying can be really problematic and you neither want to post something that could be construed as that or open your child up to that and so you know there, there's no hard and fast rules here but but you just got to think at all times 
about what you're doing because this is something where the kid doesn't even get a say in it. And actually, I've seen some research recently which indicates that teenagers are actually less... We, we had been previously thinking they were not concerned about online privacy. And it turns out they are just a little bit differently than, than people quite realized. In fact, teenagers are quite concerned about their privacy from their parents, less so from their friends. And there are certain things that need to be explained to teenagers as well, because they may not realize the technical implications of what they're doing. They may think, oh, my parents can't see this, so it's okay. But they may not realize that with, you know, one incorrect setting in Facebook, and not only can their parents see it, but the whole world can see it. Let me just hit you with this story just came on the wire, and it's from a publication called ProPublica, hmm? Journalism in the Public yeah. Interest. I'm going to read you two paragraphs. Our listeners are going to hear this, and you're going to be scared to death. Okay? You're going to be scared to death when you hear <laughs> this. The National Security Agency is winning its long-running secret war on encryption using supercomputers technical trickery, court orders, and behind-the-scenes persuasion to undermine the major tools protecting the privacy of everyday communications in the Internet age, according to newly disclosed documents. Here's a second paragraph. Take a deep breath. There we go. The agency has circumvented or cracked much of the encryption or digital scrambling that guards global commerce and banking systems protects sensitive data like trade secrets and medical records, and automatically secures the emails, web searches, Internet chats, and phone calls of Americans and others around the world, the documents show. So they know everything we're doing. Should we just give it up, Animes? <laughs> you know, I have to say, it's a little distressing. Um, it's hard, and we talked a lot about this when we were coming up. You know, we were kind of coming up with the idea for the book, and there's a real question of again figuring out what you have to hide and from whom. And if the reality of the situation is is that you cannot hide your inf- hide your communications from the NSA, you may have to decide. Do I wish to continue having them on the Internet? Or do I really not have anything to hide from the NSA? Because what are you going to do at that point? You know, that if, I mean, presumably there will be technologies that are believed to be safe. But, I mean, the whole point of the NSA is it's secret. And so there's no way of knowing what they could or could not do. And so, all right, certainly if, if, if I were going to be doing anything that the government wouldn't like, then I would be really, really hesitant to be using online services at this point in time, because it seems pretty clear that nothing is, in fact, safe in that regard. You know, we laugh about that TV show from Jonathan Nolan called Person of Interest on CBS, where this guy played by Michael Emerson has invented a computer that sees and knows everything, and the back door sends him information about people who might be in trouble. Well, guess what? It sounds like, folks, this is real. You know, what yeah. you think is real. Also, remember Enemy of the State? <laughs> yeah. That movie with Will Smith yeah. a few years ago where they were watching everything he did, Will Smith and Gene Hackman? Well, guess what? I guess they're doing that, too. I don't know. The book is called Take Control of Our Online Privacy. 
Adam Inks, take a moment to tell our listeners about the book <laughs> and where they can get a copy before the NSA reprints it. <laughs> They're not going to reprint it. They're just going to change small bits so you never notice. Seriously, it's, uh, Joe Kissel wrote it. Uh, you can go to www.takecontrolbooks.com and it's uh, it's an awfully good book. I mean, it's it's different from most of our previous Take Control books in that it's not trying to give step-by-step instructions because we were saying everyone has different levels at which they're concerned about privacy and frankly, the tools are changing all the time. And this book, it's not Mac, it's not PC, it's not iOS, not Android, it's not platform-specific. It's telling you how to think about privacy, what your risks are, and what you can generally do about them. And much as, you know, we, we talk a little, we jest about the NSA. Frankly, if you're worried about the NSA, don't bother reading the book. You've got bigger problems. That this book is for ordinary people with ordinary problems. And if you have a government after you, yeah, I'd be doing something else. <laughs> Adam Inks, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you, Gene. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. 
Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. My name's Bruno. I'm 52 years old. I've tried different protein powders over the years, and they've all tasted pretty bad. I tried One World Whey and found it to be delicious. After 10 weeks on One World Whey, my wife commented, you have more muscles and you're leaner than when you were 20 years old. My body has changed dramatically. I'm a cyclist. Normally, I'll ride two days on and take two days off. After being on One World Whey, I rode 10 days in a row in over 100-degree heat, and then I'd take another two servings of One World Whey and then work out at the gym for another hour and a half. I just couldn't believe these results. My normal muscle tightness and soreness after working out are virtually gone. Don't take my word for it. One World Whey comes in single servings. Just give it a try. For a health and taste sensation you'll love, call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit oneworldway.com. That's oneworldway.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. The Macworld iTunes guy, Kirk McElhern, joins us again. Now, when he lived in France, we used to say he lived in a palatial estate in the French Alps. Now he's in the UK, so it's a palace, right? You could say it's a modest flat. I'm okay. being honest here. It's a modest flat. It's neither palatial nor a state. It's not one of those country houses you see on Downton Abbey. And when he goes to the grocery store, Duchess Kate is not there shopping. No, you don't see many royals. You might see some minor royals, but you wouldn't recognize them. They don't wear uniforms or anything. Well, a month after she had her child, she was in the local supermarket doing the family shopping. I mean, you know, these yeah, people I don't are trying think to be it modern. was family shopping. I think it was just a photo op. You think they do that deliberately just to make them look normal? Sure. Just the other day, they were in some place in Wales where Prince William has been serving as a helicopter pilot. They were out shaking hands with the people because they'd been living there for a while, and they kind of feel close to the people of the earth, that kind of thing. So it's definitely photo op. And this was live on the BBC News as this was going on. So this is basically just they're playing a game. Well... The royal family, and I hope I'm not insulting any British listeners, the royal family is nothing but an industry built on dreams. In other words, most of the people that I've talked to here think the royal family is anachronistic, but some of them do admit that it brings in tourism money, so they're willing to accept it for that. From the political point of view, I haven't yet encountered any real royalists, but I haven't encountered any lords or ladies yet either. Uh, I just may not, you know, be with the right crowd. Well, that's the thing right there. I'm in a modest flat, not in a country home. So I'm unlikely to cross paths with the kind of people who would be more, you know, royal friendly, as it were. Okay, sir, you don't get into 
that fast-moving crowd. So there it goes. I understand about the industry, how it draws people to the U.K., how worldwide coverage, it kind of makes them all look pretty good. It does, but, you know, it's hard to estimate how much it is because when the royal baby was born and announced, I was watching it on TV, and the I think it was on Sky News, the reporters were saying, oh, my God, all these people lining up to see the royal baby announcement because they put this sort of framed piece of parchment out behind the fence at Buckingham Palace. So you could sort of push up against the fence and get a glimpse of it. And then they showed a picture of it. I've seen more people waiting online for a new iPhone than the people that were waiting online to see this baby announcement. On the one hand, a lot of people probably do come to England with the idea in mind of seeing Buckingham Palace or Windsor Castle. But on the other hand, I wonder how many really come just for that reason. I mean, England's a beautiful country, as is Scotland and Wales, the rest of the British Isles, Ireland. But I wonder how many people come just because of the royal family. It's one attraction, but you don't expect to see a royal walking down the street. No, you wouldn't, would you? And interestingly, the day that the royal baby was born, Prince Charles was here in York visiting the National Railway Museum, which is about a 10-minute walk from where I live. If that day I had happened to decide to go see the National Railway Museum, I probably would have gotten within 100 yards of them, but I probably wouldn't have gotten any closer. You're not going to see the sort of A-list royals that you see on TV. You're not going to see them up close. There's a whole level of royals. You know, it goes down. It, it goes from the ones who are heirs to the throne, and then it goes down to the third cousins and all that. So there's a huge number of royals, and you might cross paths with some of them and just not know it. Some are digging ditches. They're low-grade royals. I don't think any of them are actually digging dishes. I think there's still an old boys' club um, that keeps them, you know, in situations where they can get better jobs than that, even if they don't have the smarts to have better jobs. Such are the royals. Now, it's possible one of the royals went to South Korea and decided to become a smartwatch engineer for Samsung. That's a stretch. I don't know. Let's point out what's going on here now from the time i was maybe 10 or 12 years old i'd get up in the morning and the first thing i do after getting dressed and all that stuff go to the well to get water and i go to the well to get water because of course you didn't have plumbing back then you didn't have electricity you know something my first wife when she grew up up till the time she was like nine or ten years old she did not have indoor plumbing Okay, she lived in a very really? small town in Alabama, so it's true. Okay, let's talk about this. I get up in the morning, get ready, have breakfast, shower, get dressed, whatever. And then I put on my wristwatch. Yep. So from the time I was 10 or 12 years of age, that's 4,000 years ago before wristwatches were invented, <laughs> I wore a sundial. Whatever it was, I had a wristwatch. And did, did I you wind your watch in the morning or in the evening before you went to bed? Good question. I think All I right. would wind it in the morning. Okay. All right. Now, consider this. As they had electronic watches, I bought the electronic watches. So the watch I have now, that's not a Rolex. Despite what you think, it's a guess watch. And it's one of these chronograph things where you have 27,000 different dials and buttons and functions and things like that. And you use how many of them? You use the big hand and the little hand, right? No, I use a stopwatch every so often. Okay. All right. Now, every year or two, I have to replace the battery. 
That's it. Okay, so Samsung and its infinite wisdom. And they make, you know, good stuff. It's a big company, very successful. So their designers say, okay, let's build a smartwatch. And they've already got the Arm Watch, whatever it's called, which I think gets, what, several days of battery power before you have to charge it. Their watch lasts up to 10 hours. Now, if you're working a long day, you know, by the time you get onto the public transportation, maybe, or you get into your car and you're waiting for the traffic jam, you get to the office, you work not eight hours, but nine or 10 hours, you work overtime, you get home, that's 12, 14 hours later, that watch gave up the ghost a long time ago. Well, Samsung is claiming that it gets up to 24 hours, but they're saying that if, I, I don't know what the words are, but with intense use, you'll get maybe 10 hours. In other words, if you do anything other than look, then look at, at the it. time. Yeah. Right. Now, here's a point. The Verge, an online tech publication, went to the presentation from Samsung for the Galaxy Gear smartwatch. And I have to say that very slowly because it's such a tongue twister. Samsung Galaxy Gear smartwatch. I would say the person who came up with that name is an idiot. He or she needs to be fired. Okay. I can barely remember the name. I have to almost look at notes here. I don't normally do this show with notes, but I have to. No, I'm lying. I don't have any notes here. Okay. (laughs) The watch was being demonstrated. By the time the demonstration was over, these things were about to blank out from being used too much after, what, two hours? Yeah. So when they say 10 hours, that's a euphemism. That's like the PC notebook that has five hours battery life and lasts an hour. It's a joke. Well, let, let me read you something that Om Malik wrote on GigaOm, um, and he's talking about the prototypes. This is just a couple of this on the first of September, a couple of days before the presentation. The battery life on the prototypes is said to be around twenty-four hours with modest use, but more regular usage leads to a drastic drop in battery life, roughly to about ten hours. Now. More regular usage means using it the way it's designed because you're not buying a smartwatch to look at the time. You're buying a smartwatch to answer calls, to get tweets, to get notifications and stuff like that. Um, I couldn't find any place official stats from Samsung. I, you know, if I search Samsung Galaxy Gear in Google, I don't even find a Samsung website about it. All I find is sites that are writing about the presentation. So Samsung's SEO isn't very good. But I can't find anything that's giving official Samsung information. Oh, boy. We have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy from Macworld. We're talking about Samsung's, whatever you call it, smartwatch. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. 
But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. You've thought about it for years. Well, the time is now. You need a secret bunker, and you need it deep and strong. Atlas Survival Shelters should be your first and only choice. The experts at Atlas can help you choose a shelter that has all the comforts of your home and is 11 times stronger than square box shelters. Call Atlas at 1-855-4-BUNKERS. 1-855-4-BUNKERS. Or visit IWantThatBunker.com. Atlas Survival Shelters. Better prepared than scared. Available only at HempUSA.org. It's the first aid stick, and it's a must-have in any medical kit. With fast, chemical-free healing, the first aid stick stops bleeding, kills bacteria, is great for acne, insect bites, minor cuts and abrasions, will last for years, and is just $11.95. Everyone needs the first aid stick in their emergency kit. Call 888-910-4367. 888-910-4367. The first aid stick only at HempUSA.org. There are those curious about Bitcoins and those using and making money with Bitcoins. What are Bitcoins? A Bitcoin is the first decentralized currency that can be easily transferred from person to person over the Internet. No bank needed. This means lower fees and accounts can never be frozen, limited or closed. You are in control of your money. And the best part? You can start earning and making money with Bitcoins right away. No computer or expertise is required to earn money with Bitcoins, and a growing number of merchants now accept Bitcoins. Plus, they're easily exchanged for dollars, euros, and more. Learn more about the easiest, cheapest, most profitable way to enter the Bitcoin market and get paid every two weeks by one of the fastest-growing Bitcoin miners in the world at cloudhashing.com. Just like it sounds, cloudhashing.com. That's cloudhashing.com. We mine your business. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg.
Or is it the Samsung whatchamacallit? That okay. would be a better name. It could use a better name, like the It'd Yuck. It's easy to remember. Okay, the Samsung Yuck. <laughs> yuck as in terrible or yuck as in laughter? Yuck as in terrible. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the Samsung website now, and I've found a page presenting the device, but it has nothing in terms of specs. Now, I did see some specs on another page, which obviously got them from Samsung, and it had things like processor speed and RAM and all that. Um, but I'm not seeing anything on the Samsung site about it. It's interesting. Apple always has detailed specs, even though you don't buy a MacBook Air because of the specs. You buy it because of the weight. You don't care about the processor anymore. Um, but you look at a company like Samsung, which is a pure PC company where specs do matter a lot more, and you can't even find specs about a device like this. What importance is it? The key is if you're sticking that stuff into a low-end product because of the size and everything, it's low-end specs. And the other comment made by The Verge is that the interface lagged. Now, understand that the Android OS tends to be an inefficient operating system. It seems to be fast on the current generation of smartphones because they have powerful processors, lots of memory. But you can't stick that into a smartwatch. So it's like a low-end, lowest-grade Android smartphone. So therefore, it and doesn't the, work so well. And the problem is it's 300 bucks, which is what some people pay for a phone. Um, if you're buying a phone on contract, you're paying probably less than that if you're buying an iPhone or an Android phone. And it only works with the Samsung Galaxy Note 3. It doesn't work with the 87 other Samsung phones. I, I'm pretty, as they say over here, I'm pretty gobsmacked that Samsung would release a product that works with only one device and it costs, well maybe almost as much as that device, um, at least the way some people are going to be paying for it. Well, you're talking about one phablet, but it also works on one tablet, so it's really two devices. Right, but you're not going to be able to make phone calls from the tablet, are you? No, you obviously you're not. Now, supposedly right. it has a built-in phone, or built-in phone circuitry no. of some sort. No, it doesn't. It, has, it links to a phone with Bluetooth. It's not independent. You, it depends on. There are certainly things you can do without a phone, but it depends on a phone for the phone calls and the emails. Um, it might have built-in Wi-Fi. That I don't know, but it really needs a phone. That's a big problem right there. So think about it here. Think about it here. What is involved with this particular product, this lame product? So it only works if you connect it to a very large smartphone, a Samsung phablet that may or may not fit into your pocket, or a tablet which certainly will not fit into your pocket unless you moonlight as a clown. So if you moonlight as a clown, that's one thing. <laughs> but otherwise, it's very, very inconvenient. And you have to think, the Samsung product designers who put this together had to consider compatibility. I mean, the iWatch will work with what? A whole bunch of Android smartphones. Yeah, even the Pebble works with iPhones and Android phones, and probably maybe not every Android device, but an awful lot. So we have Samsung, who wants to get into this smartwatch business. So Samsung decides to make the worst smartwatch of all. You have to look at what's out there already. Pebble, iWatch. And you think, Samsung, if they're going to imitate something, make it 
as good or slightly better than existing products. Instead, you've got something that's larger. It looks awkward. The battery life is inferior. It only connects with two devices. Now, if they want to get a leg up on this market, why do you make something that is decidedly worse than everything else? Well, first thing, I just want to point out, again, the GigaOM article says the device won't have a browser and will need the phone to tether to the Internet. So not only does it need the phone to make phone calls, it needs the phone for basically everything. Um, it has built-in NFC, that's near-field communication Wi-Fi, right? Um, and Bluetooth, Bluetooth 4.0 LE. But basically, you can't do anything with it on its own except maybe tell the time and play a couple of games. Um, why would they design it like this? I think Samsung has a very low, um, the bar is very low at Samsung for the quality of devices. And I think they're more interested in being first out of the gate, even though they're not first, but they're first in this class of, they're not first, but I think they're first in this class of smartwatch that can make calls and all that, because the Pebble is a different kind of device. Um, as an aside, the Pebble's only $150, I think, compared to the $300 that the Samsung's going to cost. But why would they do it? They want to be first. They don't want to be best. And big difference between Apple and Samsung, isn't it? Well, you know, the problem with Samsung is kind of like the problem with, let me go back to the music companies, for example. And this is more so in the old days. So when I was a disc jockey at a radio station, I would receive maybe two or 300 45 records every week to audition from all the recording companies and they release all these things and they'd spend i don't know how much it costs for a recording studio in the 60s and 70s maybe fifty thousand dollars press a couple of thousand send them off to the radio station see if they could catch a wind catch a breeze and of every two or three hundred releases one would become at least a modest hit so they are throwing hundreds of products out there with the expectation that one fraction of 1% would take off. Now, Samsung seems to be using the same philosophy, you know, where they release loads of products, but only a small number succeed. And, you know, with Apple, for example, if every product doesn't succeed, you'd assume the company's going out of business. Yeah. First, uh, I wouldn't compare the culture business because you're talking about records. The same is true with books and movies. I wouldn't compare the culture business where it's a question of individual taste, whether something's going to succeed like that, um, with a tech business where potentially you've got to have a much higher percentage of products being successful. Um, but your point is correct that Samsung can can have this scattershot approach of 100 different phone models, whereas Apple essentially has one, bear in mind that they're still selling a previous generation, but it's one new phone model that they're coming out with. Um, Apple's got a lot more interest in making sure that that one new phone model is as perfect as possible, um, whereas Samsung is willing to try. But isn't this just the PC industry where you go to the Dell website, you want to buy a laptop, you got 18 different um, laptop families and 12 different sets of specs in each family. It's always been that way on the PC side, and Apple has always bucked the trend as far as that's concerned. Right, but it's even worse than that with Dell. Dell has a home, a regular consumer home, division. It's got right. a small business, small business. division. It's got yeah. a large business division, each of which 
may have different selections and different options for their hardware. Yeah. But I, I don't think a lot of the tech industry is like that. Look at TVs, look at stereos. Well, stereos may be a little bit less, um, but look at TVs, look at, you know, a number of tech products that we buy. Look how many companies that make speakers make a whole line of different speakers. Um, granted, the product line there is just different price points and maybe sizes, maybe bookshelf speakers versus four standing versus 5.1. But in the tech industry in general, you've got a lot of different types of devices. Um, I would think that a phone, that the phone companies would have figured out that this is the companies that make handsets would have figured out that this is counterproductive, but maybe they don't lose money on it. Maybe since so many mobile phones are subsidized and each provider wants a specific type of phone, maybe that's what drives the great variety of phones that we see. Right. But a smartwatch is not necessarily going to be a subsidized device. Oh, by the way, while we were talking, I got a comment for tech night. How, Dot com where I have a column called Will Samsung Kill the Smartwatch Market? And this person says, the thing is, the Galaxy Gear device is not a smartwatch. It's more of a dumb terminal watch because it's tethered to something else and does very little without being connected to something else. I don't think we're going to see a smartwatch with with a built-in SIM card because that means you've got to pay for a whole data contract. Um, I think any smartwatch is going to be tethered to a phone. I I can't see a lot of people, unless unless someone comes up with a Dick Tracy smartwatch phone and you'd rather have your phone on your wrist, I'm not going to pay the, well, here it would be like 20 pounds a month or, you know, $30 a month for a data contract for a phone. That's right out. All right, but that's the point. Should a smartwatch also be a smartphone? We'll get into that and more. We have Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. 
Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeat e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Welcome back to Get Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. So what is a smartwatch? Is it just a watch that, when hooked up to a smartphone or a tablet, does a few fancy things, gets internet access, makes phone calls, etc.? Or is it something that does everything by itself? And that's the big question here. How far do you go? And if Apple is looking for a solution, as if anyone cares, if there's a need for a smartwatch and Apple looks at the solution, Apple's going to consider, they have to, is it necessary to have to tether this device to something else? Is there a way to put everything in the smartwatch? Except, of course, you get Bluetooth headsets because you don't want to look like an idiot putting your wrist to your mouth and talking. (laughs) Except Dick Tracy did that for years and nobody complained. Here's what I think. Um, I think if a smartwatch is going to work, in other words, if Apple can take the smartwatch and make it work, the same way they took the MP3 player and made it work as an iPod, the same way they took the tablet and made it work as an iPad. The device for me would work in two ways. First of all, it would have to be tethered either to a phone or to a home computer. And my guess is that whenever it's in range of, let's say, the computer or the phone, it's going to be able to download whatever contacts, whatever calendar events have been changed or new, maybe download weather information, things like that. It might have Wi-Fi, so if it's in the range of a hotspot that it can connect to, it might be able to get that information as well. You know, one of the things that everyone's talking about is it's going to have a pedometer, so it can replace a device like a Fitbit. And I think that's a great idea. You've already got devices that you can wear on your wrist that do the same thing. But I can't. it would be slightly independent. So you could have your calendar events and your contacts. Maybe you could even write an email on it, but that email wouldn't send unless you're near Wi-Fi or unless you're your phone is nearby that that's the way it's the only way i can see it i can't see it having to depend 100 percent on a phone because you know calendars contacts things like that but i can see it needing either a phone or a computer to be able to get information i can't see people paying for a data contract and until the phone companies give us a single contract that covers your phone your tablet and your smartwatch we're not going to see data contracts for smart for smartwatches well, if people use a smartwatch as a tiny smartphone, maybe they would. Is it worth paying 30 bucks a month for it? No, it's not. All right. Well, that's what deals Apple makes with the wireless well, it's carriers. Not, no, it's not Apple. It's the carriers that are going to 
come up with some sort of a data contract. Would they have a different data contract for a smartwatch? It's entirely possible. Well, that's that the point. That is the point. It's entirely possible, though, consider that this isn't going to be using a lot of data. So we come up with a contract that's five bucks a month. Or if you've already got a phone, we give you a free SIM for your smartwatch, that kind of thing. So it could be a way to keep customers um, with a particular phone company. Okay, you solved that problem. Well, but that's I have, the issue but, there. I oh well, hold on. My I would solve problems by saying there should be no bandwidth caps on phone contracts, and they should all cost ten bucks a month. But that doesn't mean the phone companies are going to do it. Well, we're talking about the problem with a smartwatch, right? And again, it's that same issue, which is can it function or do most everything it does by itself? And that is the issue because that's the current issue and it's a limitation with existing products that anytime you want to use your smartwatch you got to have something else with you and that's not efficient and i think apple wants something simple and efficient and that's the core issue and i think apple if they want to produce an iWatch, and they certainly look like they might be wanting to do that because they're working at trademarking the name in various countries there are reports, published reports, they have 100 engineers or more working on the project, which to Apple's chump change. If they want to do this, they're going to have to look at every limitation and solve it. Like, what were the big limitations of digital music players before the iPod? One was to sync or download yep. with your computer. Originally, yep. it's just Mac, but then they made it Mac and PC compatible. And so they put in FireWire. Now, of course, after that, USB became faster and almost as efficient. Okay. The point is they solved the problem. Ease of use, easy to sync or download your content. That was a big problem. Well, you're not, you're not going to have much content on a smart watch. You don't expect you got- to, but you can certainly put four gigabytes on there like an entry-level iPod. Like but yeah. the point would be here. It would have to sync with iCloud. The point is that you wouldn't be doing that. You wouldn't use it, say, as a replacement for your iPod, or maybe you would if you're using cloud-based sources for your music. It would mostly work with the cloud and use that storage as a buffer. I wouldn't see a smartwatch storing music. I wouldn't see an Apple smartwatch storing music. I would see it, as I said, contacts, calendar events. The idea of a camera in the wristband just seems too weird, but... It might have different types of apps that you can load on it. I think that's where the, 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 the storage buffer is going to be used. I can't see it storing music videos, anything like that. I can see it. Um, it's an adjunct. I don't see this being a product on its own. And for that reason, I don't see it not, I don't see it being totally independent from a phone or a computer. I think in order if you can't to make six- a call with it, it's going to have to be linked to a phone for any kind of calls or texts or anything like that. I don't agree with you. I think the only way it's going to be efficient is for Apple to solve that problem. That problem has to be solved. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Right now, where is the market for a smartwatch? I mean, how many people want to buy one? How many people even use watches anymore? You don't. Explain to our listeners what you do. I take my iPhone out of my pocket. You know, I, I asked my son, who's 22 years old, and he says that he still does have a watch, but he didn't. He sounded like he was clinging to it in some way as a sort of a remnant of the past, because he got his first watch when he was maybe 10 years old. Um, but he doesn't wear his watch when he runs. He has a 
one of those Nike things to to track his like a pedometer thing. So I think he would be a client for a smartwatch, but would he wear it all the time? I don't know. I haven't worn a watch in years. I use my iPhone. Um, if I want to send a text, I use my iPhone. Now, I could imagine some uses for a smartwatch. I have a Fitbit that I use to keep track of walking and how many steps and all that. And I try to do, you know, the 10,000 steps a day, but it's unobtrusive. It goes on my belt or, or on my, my pants. So I don't see it. It doesn't get in the way. A watch would get in the way. Um, when I'm out listening, when I'm out walking, I listen to music with Bluetooth headphones. Um, so the idea of being able to control my music, skipping and pausing and all that from something and not taking my phone out of my pocket um, would be good. I can do it from the headphones, but it's not great. I wouldn't mind having a small sort of map when I'm walking around and looking for some place instead of having to take my phone out of my pocket and put it back. I think I've never dropped my iPhone. I keep it in the case anyway. But it's true that there are things like that where I'd rather not take my phone out of my pocket. But, you know, I could live without a smartwatch, basically. <laughs> Although, may maybe not. Maybe I don't know that I can't live without a smartwatch. And maybe Apple's going to convince me the way they did with the iPad that I can't live without a tablet. Well, they did that, I think, with a smartphone. I mean, before Apple came out with the iPhone, I just had simple feature phone, a Motorola Razor phone. In fact, my wife still has a Motorola Razor that's five years old. Yeah, it still it works still just works. fine. Yep. It still works fine. It still looks clean and pristine. It's worth nothing. I'm sure AT&T would love to have her upgrade to an iPhone or someone else's phone. But she hasn't seen the need for it. She has an iPad that she uses at home, but I don't think she wants to look at that kind of screen on close quarters. So that's how things go. But the question is here, does Apple have the solution that will make people want this device? Because right now I think people are skeptical. Right now there is no market. Right now, if Samsung sells a few thousand, I'd be surprised because it's just not a well-designed device. And I wonder, the Pebble and these other devices, how many people are buying them? I read an article the other day about a new lineup of smartwatches from Sony, and sales were in the hundreds of thousands over a period of several years. You know, Apple's got to sell like a million a minute before any of these things make sense. This makes sense. We have Kirk McElhern joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com 
On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years, hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw of free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. And you thought the most painful question from your child was this. Are we there yet? Questions on family trips are nothing compared to questions from real family emergencies caused by weather, natural disasters, or terrorism. I'm super hungry. What are we going to eat? Daddy, I'm scared. Why don't we have enough food? Daddy should have been better prepared. September is National Preparedness Month. Now you can be prepared. Now you should. Now you have awareness. And now you have your solution. Go to freezedryguide.com. Freeze Dry Guide will get you ready with the Family First Responders Kit. It's your emergency solution with delicious freeze-dried food, safe water, and even fire starting. Call 866-404-3663, 866-404-FOOD. Or log on to freezedryguy.com. Protect your family now with emergency preparedness and say, We're there! Freezedryguy.com. Weakened by GMOs, stressed out about money, and blasted by the electric environment. Hi, I'm Pastor Ginny, and that was the state I was in back in 2010. Then I learned about RNA drops. I learned that 97% of my DNA that scientists have called junk is actually packed with millions of gene switches that play a critical role in controlling how my cells, organs, and other tissues behave. I learned I don't have to put up with disease, decay, or decline like I'd been conditioned to believe. I began taking RNA Drops, a 100% natural formula designed to turn on those switches and provide me with amazing health and joy. Learn more about RNA Drops and order a free sample today. Visit rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call toll-free 888-577-3703. Pay only shipping and handling for a free 30-day supply of RNA drops. Get the information you need and the health you want at rnafreesample.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So... Whether or not Kirk McElhern will get a smartwatch has to depend on whether Apple or some other provider will convince him of the need. He's skeptical. Right now, I'm happy to have my guest watch. Some people, of course, if they can afford it, will use watches as a fashion accessory. And that's the other question here. Obviously, we look at the Samsung 
Galaxy Gear smartwatch, I said it correctly. Say it five times backwards and you'll see what trouble you get into. Right now, that's... Watch Smart Gear Galaxy Samsung. Thank you, Yoda. Now... Welcome, you are. You know, it's think about this here, the concept of Star Wars, where the guy who has fractured syntax is the brightest guy in the room. <laughs> yeah, you think if he's so smart, he would have figured out how to speak English a little bit better. Well, of course, he wants to do it his way. You know, yeah, it's Yoda's way. If you try to speak like that, what a fool he'll think you are. Okay, so I think if Apple feels they can solve what they perceive to be the problems, they'll do it. If Apple can't solve those problems, smartwatches will disappear until they reappear someday. I think wearable devices are the future, but it's not Google Glass. It might be a smartwatch but it would have to be something that people would also want to put on as a fashion accessory. I mean, the Samsung Galaxy Gear smartwatch, I say that in quotes, is not a fashion accessory. It's ugly. It's a big, ugly tech toy. The others look nicer. But I think one of the key reasons you have a watch is not because of what it does. It's because of how it looks. So Apple has to consider that. You know, you, you've raised... Two points that I want to address. First of all, you said something to the effect that a smartwatch won't work unless Apple creates it. I'm not convinced. It doesn't have to be Apple. It could be somebody. It could be any company. But second, yeah, the fashion aspect of a watch, you've got people who pay $10,000 for a watch because it's a snazzy thing to wear on your wrist because it's a very visible piece of jewelry. You've still got a history of craftsmanship in watches that's quite impressive, even though the watches with all the little gears, what they call jewels in them, are less accurate than a $10 Casio watch. Um, You've still got people who want to have these fancy watches that are handmade. I've never felt that a watch was a, a necessary fashion accessory. I just always thought that a watch was for telling time. So I'm not the person to talk about that. I don't think that the people who would buy a smartwatch are those that care so much about a watch being a fashion accessory. I think it's a different demographic. However, if smartwatches did take off, you'd quickly see gold smartwatches and maybe smartwatch cases and straps or something to make them fancy. It could be a very big market. Okay. Now, that is an interesting point, which is why I think Apple is going to consider that. Apple, if they come out with an iWatch, they'll consider the various uses to have it work as an independent device. I'm still convinced it's got to be independent to have it look nice and maybe even to offer a version that becomes the fashion accessory. You know, let's have instead of a Rolex, let's have the iWatch Pro or whatever, where that's the $10,000 iWatch, but the normal price is $199. I still can't see it being that expensive, but... I, it's it's a tough call. It really is. I'm just not convinced that the people who buy $10,000 watches, who buy Rolexes, basically, I'm not convinced that these are the people who are going to want to wear a smartwatch. I think they're going to consider it'll look somewhat geeky. Um, now, I'm sure that the geeky crowd is going to be more than happy to wear a smartwatch if it's done right. Um, and it could be that the smartwatch will overtake the quote-unquote fashion accessory watch among a certain demographic. There's no reason why this couldn't happen. You know, I kind of like the way this is going. I think we're coming up with good ideas, and I have to think 
Samsung surely has people who are smarter than Gene Steinberg or Kirk McElhern, maybe not Kirk McElhern. And they would have thought of this instead of maybe making a big presentation over a mediocre product. Yeah, it's kind of a strange... Because they did make a big presentation with that big screen and all that behind the guy. And it's kind of strange the way they did all this. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know what they expect out of this. I don't know. You know, do they really project to sell millions of these things? Three or four. Well, you know, given the size of of Samsung, the number of phones they sell and all that, um, you'd think that they've got some pretty high expectations. However, they've set the bar very low for the future smartwatches that are going to compete with their own product. So that's kind of interesting. Well, at this point, Samsung, I do not choose to try to guess the logic or lack thereof behind the things they do. I just think that Samsung is trying to throw some darts at the wall, hoping some will hit their target. And if they don't, they'll go to the next thing. Well, that's how these big tech companies work. That's why they make 100 different phones and 100 different laptops, because they're hoping one of them's going to take off. And, and in the model you suggested earlier about um, records and books and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, uh, it's certainly possible. And again, as I said earlier, I think they want to be first out of the gate with a, a sort of proper smartwatch, one that connects to a phone. Excuse me, a proper smartwatch. This guy has been brainwashed yeah, as a resident of the UK. Here. It's a proper I say, chap. Yeah, that's the way they talk around here, so I'm getting used to it. Um, but yeah, I think that they wanted to be first, and they got a lot of... Pro- Look at how much press they got. If they don't sell any smartwatches, they've got a boatload of press for the company in the Galaxy 3T XP whatever that they just released as well. Um, so I think they managed... I think they accomplished what they wanted. They may never sell a smartwatch. And they've gotten press all around the world because of it. So they got press, but is that the kind of press you want? I mean, I kind of think here the timing was interesting because we've all known for a number of days now that Apple is going to hold a big media event right after my birthday, the day after my birthday on September 10th. So that's going to be the big thing with Apple. But they know that Apple's going to hold a media event sometime in September. It's it's an annual event. So and and they've planned to release this what is it the end of September. So they've got this in production. It it's obviously part of it is a shot across the bow at Apple. Maybe not thinking that Apple's going to announce a smartwatch and I highly doubt they will, but wanting to get some press before Apple gets their press with the new iPhone. Right. Is that why, for example, Microsoft and Nokia's deal was announced this week? Um, you know, a deal that size, in my opinion, has a lot more to do with um, the, the stock and the way the stock market works and quarterly earnings and stuff. Uh, I can't see that necessarily being a direct shot against Apple because Microsoft slash Nokia is not, as far as we know, announcing a new phone next week. Or this month. Basically, Uh, uh, all they did here was announce a deal that will consummate in 2014. But what that also does is hurt the sales of existing products. We'll go into more of that in a moment. We have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. 
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Folks, you'll want to hear this. No matter what size your business, people don't take you seriously unless you have a professional-looking website. You can empower your business with a stunning online presence, and it's free. Join over 30 million people who have built their websites with Wix. Once again, it's completely free. It requires absolutely no design or coding skills. Want to know more? Check out Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Alabama, it's coming, and it's the event you and your family will not want to miss. The Southern Preppers Convention and Green Living Expo, Saturday and Sunday, September 7th and 8th, at the newly renovated Oxford Civic Center in Oxford, Alabama, where admission is totally free. There's something for everyone. Free classes and seminars on topics like food preparation, food harvesting, and food preservation. Free giveaways every 30 minutes. You could win seed kits, food, doTERRA oil, starter kits, water filters, and more, including a year's supply of food. Guest speakers include Bob from Black Dog Survival School, Mike from White Harvest Seeds, Dr. Tom Stoner from Dr. Med Kits, and more. And be sure to stop by and check out the Longevity Booth, the Southern Preppers Convention and Green Living Expo, September 7th and 8th, a weekend of education and preparation that's totally free to attend. Don't forget, the Country Inn and Suites in Oxford has special rates available for those who attend the Expo. Get all the details at thesouthernpreppers.com. That's thesouthernpreppers.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. 
or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. Okay, we have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. And we started focusing on the possibilities of the new Samsung smartwatch, what Apple will do if they get into the game, all that kind of thing, and even if there's a demand. Now we have the Nokia-Microsoft deal, where basically the handset division will be run by Microsoft. But you have to think now, we have existing Nokia products, like the Lumia 1020 with a 41-megapixel camera. Now, doesn't that hurt sales of existing gear? Because suddenly the marketing is thrown by the wayside, while all this is happening, all the paperwork's being done, all the divisions are being considered, which employees will be working from Microsoft, who's going to be let go, how do they come up with new products? You've got to assume that they're going to be starting with the products that are already in the pipeline, and maybe this is why there's the 2014 milestone, that it takes a lot of time to adapt these products for the new situation, uh, that Microsoft is going to come in and basically throw a spanner in the works and stop certain things and start certain other things so it's a complex process and they may i would i would assume that in something like this they're going to be releasing products that have already been slated for production even though they don't believe in them anymore because each company has to keep releasing products it does seem like it's going to take them a while to get the sort of not the synergy to get the marriage of the two companies to work in terms of the, the way the products actually, what the products offer. Nokia makes Windows phones already, so it's not a, a, a big stretch for them to make them under the Microsoft brand name. But what Microsoft is probably going to do is try and integrate the OS a little more tightly into the phone itself, the way Apple does with the iPhone. And I wonder also here, if we're going to look at this, what happens with existing companies who make Windows Phone products. Now, supposedly between 80 and 90% of Nokia's already, so maybe that's not so big a deal. But we have Samsung and we have HTC. Do they say, you know what? These phones aren't doing so much for us. Microsoft bought this company. They acquired the handset division of Nokia. Let's just get out of that and let them do what they're going to do themselves. It's entirely possible. We might see that the Windows phone becomes a lot like the iPhone. In other words, sold by one company and, you know, no one else. It's not the way Microsoft works, but who knows? Maybe that's what they're going to do. Maybe they'll do it because, as you say, the other companies don't want to play ball with Microsoft in this kind of situation. Um, Microsoft is clearly going to be favoring their phones over the others. So we're back to the situation where, you know, Microsoft gives the keys to the operating system to certain companies and not others. This could be a problem. On the other hand, let me just say, I think this is great for competition. I think it would be great to have a Microsoft phone for Microsoft to have to face up to what it is to have their own hardware and software combined to what the possibilities are of doing that. Because as we know, when, when you've got Android or Windows, whatever they call the operating system for a phone, you've got to make something that can fit with a lot of devices. And if they're able 
to hone the operating system to fit with just a handful of devices, it might make a better phone, and competition is good. It'll spur Apple to be more creative. It'll spur everyone to be more creative. So in this sense, maybe there's a benefit to this. It gives them more control over the platform. They could make the phones more tailored to the OS. I understand that. But here's the thing, too. Isn't that already playing out with Nokia and Microsoft and their agreement to make Nokia smartphones the first among equals for the Windows phone system? So will it change that much? And once again, you have the time delay of getting all this to happen. It's going to be a few months just to have the divisions in their new home, so to speak. Okay, then you've got to develop a strategy. Now, okay, the current CEO, Stephen Elop, is going to be working for Microsoft again. That's where he came from. So you yeah. also wonder about this conspiracy theory where Microsoft <laughs> sends theory. him to Nokia as CEO. Yeah, he makes as, a as deal a with Microsoft, destroys the company, so they sell it for a song to Microsoft, and Microsoft gets him back in there. It's entirely possible. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an odd business. All I can say is we'll have to wait and see. Microsoft has two choices. They can either go the Apple route and say, we're going to make our own phones and keep the operating system and essentially copy Apple and compete directly with Apple. Or we're going to keep licensing the operating system to everyone. Then they're in a situation where they're competing directly or indirectly with other companies, and they're still obliged to keep the operating system compatible with all these other phones. Like Google's problem right now with Motorola. Yep. Exactly. So basically what they're doing here is, in a sense, imitating what Google did in order to try to be like Apple. And you also have to look at the pricing here. So, for example, Microsoft bought Skype, which has no product. It's just a service for eight and a half billion dollars. Yeah. Google bought Motorola Mobility for twelve and a half billion. It's a hardware division. Yeah. Microsoft gets Nokia for what? Seven point two billion. Something like that, yeah. Fire sale price. Nokia used to be the biggest mobile handset maker on the planet. Think about that. Well, Nokia is actually much more than a handset manufacturer. Sure. Um, it's a company that's been around, I'm not sure, I'm quickly looking on Wikipedia. I think they've been around for 150 years. They originally started making paper. company was founded in 1865. Uh, it's a company that, it's, it's a brilliant company because they've remade themselves several times over their history. Uh, they went from being, you know, a paper company to this company that makes a lot of different things, including phones. And Microsoft only bought the phone unit, and they still have, I can't really see easily what they have here, but they do sell other sorts of devices. Um, I think they're into, like, high-end communication things for the military. I'm trying to quickly scroll down in uh, so mobile solutions, mobile phones, uh, they have a number of subsidiaries, digital map data location information, Nokia solutions and networks, which is which was Nokia Siemens. They bought out Siemens or they merged with Siemens, which was a German telecoms company. So it's a company that does a lot of things. Okay, and they also own tens and tens of thousands of patents, and the deal means that Microsoft licenses the patents. Yep. But Nokia still owns them. And Nokia still makes money from sitting there and collecting royalties. Good show, good show. So Nokia emerges a victor here because they get rid of a division that's not doing so well. Their stock price went up, I think, after this deal by about 40%. 
Microsoft stock price went down somewhat. So at worst, I mean, if we're going to do projections here, and we might as well because, you know, we're talk show people. We can say anything we want. We are not accountable to anyone. Okay. So I could say that at best, this deal does nothing from Microsoft other than empty the cash hoard a little bit. That's at best. At worst, for a while, because of the scrambling, the synergies, the acquisition and the costs and having to organize things, they don't really innovate new products as fast. And therefore, Microsoft's market share in the short term for Windows Phone goes down. It doesn't help the product at all. Maybe in the long term it'll be better, but this is not a short-term gain. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this has the potential to be a Microsoft-changing acquisition. The smartphone is the hottest device right now. If Microsoft plays their cards right and brands a Windows phone and copies Apple, one could say, but in certain ways takes control of the hardware and the software, this could change the direction of the company. Now, they could totally screw this up, and Microsoft doesn't have a good history of hardware other than the Xbox, but they could turn this into something that is the future of the company. I don't think we should write it off right away because of what we know about the history of Microsoft. What we knew about the history of Apple in the years before Steve Jobs returned to the company wasn't very positive at the time. So I I can see that Microsoft has a lot of potential here if they do what Apple did. In other words, make a smartphone with their brand, their hardware, their software. Whether or not Microsoft will do that is the big question. If they're simply going to make their Microsoft slash Nokia smartphone just another Windows phone, then I don't think it'll be compelling enough to draw people to it. I don't know what's going to happen, except that we'll have more with Kirk McElhern on our next segment on the Tech Night How Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Times are changing, and violent crimes against law-abiding citizens are out of control. Protect yourself with legal, affordable, 100% made-in-the-USA ballistic body armor. Available at AR500.com. Rated for calibers up to 308 Winchester. Packages including armor start at only $210. It's the right of every responsible American citizen to own body armor. Get some at 602-501-9607 or AR500.com. 
ceramic body armor is rated to stop six hits. But what about the seventh? Unlike ceramic or Kevlar, Infidel body armor is proven to take hit after hit, and it just won't quit. Reasonably priced and designed for the smart civilian prepper, Infidel stops hundreds of hits from small arms to high-powered rifles. That means safety and peace of mind. Buy yours at InfidelBodyArmor.com. Spelled I-N-F-I-D-E-L BodyArmor.com. Infidel body armor just won't quit. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Hello, it's Tom Chenault from The Tom Chenault Show. We are experts in home-based business and residual income. We show people how to make money from their home, either part-time or full-time. And in partnership with Genesis Communication Network, we've organized a team to fight back about people not having money, time, or health. And we need your help. What we want you to do is if you've got an interest in building an organization to fight back against people taking our money, taking our time, and taking our health, we want to talk to you. All you need to do is call this number, 855-308-8326. Again, all you want to do is call 855-308-8326. You can make a tremendous amount of money and end up fighting for a great cause. Please call us right now. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. On the Tech Night How Live, Kirk McElhern joining us. We started with smartwatches, Samsung's Galaxy Gear smartwatch, about the merger of Nokia and Microsoft in terms of the handset division, that Microsoft's taking over the handset division. So there you go. We have to see where that's going to end up. But now we know at this point, in terms of timing, maybe Microsoft had to do it now because the opportunity came up the market share of Windows Phone isn't going up as fast as they want. BlackBerry is tanking. They're about to maybe even consider auctioning off the company. So, you know, it's maybe the last opportunity they have. So they took it. But they're also in a position where the CEO is leaving in the next 12 months. Steve Ballmer is leaving. This is obviously a project that he shepherded. So now they hire a brand new CEO. Now, would the CEO have to commit in advance saying, you know what, I will allow this to go through? Or will the CEO say, you can't tell me anything. If you want to fix Microsoft, you let me do my job. 
And job number one is to look at this deal, acquiring the handset division of Nokia and saying, undo it. It's no good. Doesn't that kind of constrain the next executive of Microsoft? Well, again, it depends on how much Microsoft wants to give freedom to we don't know who's going to be the, the who's going to replace Steve Ballmer yet. There are an awful lot of unknowns here that I think we can't resolve. Um it does this the timing of this does suggest that Steve Ballmer was against the Nokia purchase and that that's why he's been pushed out. Or it could just be simply that people got tired of Steve Ballmer and they were going to push him out anyway. It's a tough situation. It's They've got a big decision to make. Um, presumably, they've already decided how they're going to approach this. They wouldn't have bought Nokia without you know, planning that either we make a, a Microsoft phone or we don't or whatever. It's turning an aircraft carrier. Microsoft is a company like that. Getting the company to change something as radical as this could lead to is a huge change, not only in the company's strategy, but in the the sort of industrial culture that's inside the company. We'll have to see. I think it's interesting. As I said earlier, I think if they do it right, it could be a game changer and it could lead to a, a lot of good competition that could be good for the market. I, I think iPhones are overpriced. I'd like to see them come down a couple hundred bucks each. And I think the only way we're going to see that, we may see a low-cost iPhone. In fact, it seems pretty likely. We don't know if it's going to be limited in any way. But I think the only way we're going to get prices to come down is if there's more competition and if the iPhone has a more serious competitor. Well, right now, even with the supposed success of the Samsung Galaxy S4, the iPhone is still doing better. And in some countries, UK, France, and the US, it seems to be gaining ascendancy against Android. Not so much in some other countries. Now, of course, the report is that Apple is going to make more deals with a big cell phone provider in Japan and China. And this may be the big thing for the next model. And it may also be, what do you think here, if Apple does introduce this supposed iPhone 5C, the lower-cost version, there won't be this practice of continuing to build the older models. That will be the cheap model. That's what I think. There have been suggestions that Apple would keep the iPhone 5 16-gigabyte model. Um, I'm wondering what... So we're assuming that the iPhone 5C is a given, a cheaper iPhone. We don't know what the price is. I'm wondering what kind of difference it will be. It's obviously going to be limited enough that a full-price iPhone is still going to be attractive to a lot of people. You can buy – what can you – today you can buy an iPhone 4, which is kind of old considering iOS. Um, kind of. Yeah, you get it free with a contract, but if you buy it unlocked, it's $450. So it's still pretty expensive. If you buy an iPhone 5, I'm just browsing Apple's website, you buy it unlocked, it starts at 650 and that's a 16 gig. Um, I prefer talking about unlocked prices because that's the real price of the phone. If you factor in a two-year contract, uh, you can't compare. Just to say that, okay, you can get it for 199 with a contract, that, in my opinion, is bogus. So you got to look at the unlocked price. So how much cheaper would the iPhone 5C be? So instead of 649, let's say it's 400. It's a good price point. That means that, you know, it could be almost free with a contract. Maybe it's even less than that. It's going to be limited. It's going to be only 16 gigs. It's probably going to have a slower processor. Um, it's going to be made of plastic. There's going to be a whole lot of limits to it. But I think this is what Apple needs is to start expanding the line to cover not just the people who can afford a full price phone, 
or the people who get stuck into a really expensive contract to have an iPhone, um, but get iOS out in front of more people at a lower price. Ah, we have to see what happens with Apple, what kind of price they can charge for a 5C. You know, could they possibly deliver it at 349 then offer all sorts of incentives in other countries, like, for example, allowing people to easily, inexpensively finance it. You know, that's something that Apple could do, um, that they could start doing. With the amount of money that they have, they could offer very low interest rate financing for things like that. But this would mean that Apple would turn into a GE, which has a huge finance division. Um, I'm not sure. I think GE actually built that from the ground up to finance their cars um apple could do the same thing it's it's a hugely complicated and certainly a very low profit type of industry um but if it gets more iphones sold it would certainly be something that apple could do we will know this possibly by the time you hear the show so we're not going to make any real predictions over what apple's going to have They may even have some other products we're not predicting yet. For example, some are suggesting a new Apple TV because inventories are coming down. That's true with a lot of Macs, and part of it is that Apple keeps a tight leash on the inventory. And the slightest movement one way or the other, people start talking. Yeah, you you get a lot of speculation based on inventory, and it's not always because a product is end of life. It could be just that they're moving production, retooling an assembly line or something that gives it a glitch. This happened a month or two ago that there was a certain, maybe it was an iMac, and they went from like next day to like three to five day shipping or seven day shipping. People started saying, oh, new iMac, but obviously it didn't happen. Um, We'll know, as you say, by the time this show is on, I'm pretty confident it's going to be a lower-priced iPhone. I'm very curious about the price point. If they can get it down below $300 for a 16 gig, that'll make the smartphone, the unlocked smartphone, um, accessible to a lot of people. It'll mean on contract, it'll probably be free. It'll mean that the iPhone is starting to attack a market that it's never attacked, that of fragmentation. Now, we're assuming it's going to be the same screen size, um, and it'll run iOS 7, but you'll have different price points. So it means that there will be iPhones for everyone instead of just for the people who can afford either the unlocked price or the expensive contract. And and I think that's the future. The future is smartphones, and Apple simply has to follow this. They have no choice. Another thing, sorry, just one more thing. I would like to see 128 gigabyte Um, iPhone. And if we see that, I think we'll see the end of the iPod Classic finally, which is 160 gigabytes. Well, I think my son's iPod Classic of several years ago is broken, so maybe he better start investing in one. Kirk McElhern, please tell our listeners where they can find more of the great, terrific, wonderful stuff you do, or the excellent stuff you do. I'm going to compliment you. I don't know why. I have no idea why. Okay. Well, you can go to my website, Kirkville. Um, it's McElhern.com, M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. You can follow me on Twitter. My Twitter name is obviously McElhern. And you can read a lot of stuff I write over at Macworld, including my Ask the iTunes Guy columns. All right. All right. And I'm going to tell you something else. You can find us on Twitter, where we are known as Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook if you look for Gene Steinberg. If you find him, very likely he's me. You can also check us out at technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. 
And we have that other show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this week featuring talk about ancient mysteries, maybe ancient astronauts and more. Fascinating discussion at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. And now, Tech Night Owl live listeners. On your behalf, we thank Kirk McElhern for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me once again, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.